Hello, church. Today's scripture reading is from the book of John, chapter 1, verses 1 through 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him, and without him not one thing came into being. What has come into being in him was life, and the life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came to witness to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. He himself was not the light, but he came to testify to the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world came into being through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all that received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become the children of God who were born, not of blood or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and lived among us. And we have seen his glory and the glory of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So we are continuing today in our Big Picture Sermon series. We're focusing on the larger questions and the narratives that define our faith. Words and ideas that become so commonplace to us as Christians that we often stop reflecting on them and asking questions about what they mean and why they matter. Who is God? Why did God create What is sin and how did it impact humanity? Who am I in relationship to God? These are big questions. And finding the exact words to capture the fullness of God within them is probably impossible. But that shouldn't ever stop us from trying, for searching, for seeking, for attempting to draw closer to the God who has created each and every one of us. The God who created the entire universe from nothing is the same God that has created each and every one of us uniquely in God's image. Our God is a God of the cosmos and a God of the particulars. So we're continuing to ask those big questions today. Now, I am grateful to be back. I've been gone for a couple of weeks with some Air Force training And Pastor Rob thought it would be funny, I think, today to welcome me back by sharing last week that the topic of my sermon for today would simply be Jesus. That was it. There was no other sentences or passages or questions, just Jesus. How can we preach a sermon on Jesus? How can we not preach a sermon on Jesus, perhaps, Jesus, in fact, is a one-word sermon. Jesus, the answer to everything. Children know this. If you ask a child the answer to pretty much any question or doubt or challenge, especially in a church building or in a Sunday school classroom, they know that the answer is likely Jesus. You can't go wrong with this. But it seems that as we grow up, And as we enter the world and people give us other reasons and answers for things, that as adults, 
we begin to add to Jesus or take away from the simple, profound truth of the standalone message that Jesus gives us. And so as adults and perhaps adolescents and teenagers and even children, I think that it's important for us to remember today that nothing should ever be added or taken away from Jesus being the answer. It really is that simple and it really is that profound. Jesus the Christ is the reason, the way, the truth. Jesus is God in the flesh. God revealed to humanity the eternal word of God. Jesus is the kingdom of God in person. The God-man who defeats sin and shame and even death for us on the cross. We're told in the Gospel of John that God sent Jesus to us not out of condemnation, but out of love to offer us life. And so, while Jesus could be a one-word sermon for us today, if I had to give you a one-sentence sermon, it would be that. Jesus is life. Jesus is life. From before time, the purpose of Jesus was life, true, abundant, relational life with God, with one another, and with all of creation. We see it. It traces back to the Genesis creation narratives in Genesis 1 and 2. To give life to us, to human beings created in God's image. That is the answer to the question of who is Jesus? Why should I care? Now, to be a Christian means to sign up for being little Christs. The word Christian means little Christs. To be a Christian means to connect with the source of life and to recognize that source against the backdrop of a violent and decaying world. And then to share this truth with others. Jesus is life. This is not something that we can understand only by reading our Bibles, the written word of God, though that is important. This is not something that we can understand by simply welcoming Jesus into our hearts and letting him perhaps just take a seat on a recliner, though it's important to have Jesus in our being. This is something that we come to know by being disciples, by being little Christs. When we recognize that Christ is the source of life for not just us, but for every person that we encounter, who Jesus is begins to make sense. So I can't just give you a one-sentence answer today. But if you remember nothing else, remember that Jesus is life. So I want to talk today then about who Jesus is and what we can discern about God and Jesus and ourselves through our gospel passage from today, which is John chapter 1 a passage that is beautiful and prophetic and steeped in Judaic wisdom 
and mysterious and cosmic and relational. So if you haven't done so already, I invite you to open your Bibles to John chapter 1. The first thing that we learn about Jesus in this passage is that Jesus the Christ is eternal. That Christ is eternal. John chapter 1 begins, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now the Greek word here for word is the word logos. Logos, it's the meaning, the reason, the creative plan for it all. So let's substitute that into the passage. In the beginning was the reason for it all. And the reason was with God. And the reason was God. Christ, the reason, God's creative plan is eternal. Jesus' oneness with God, also eternal. Before even created time. Now, this is important for us for many reasons, but in big picture language, I think that this is important because we might be inclined to believe from time to time that Jesus only came into the picture after sin entered the world, after the fall. However, that isn't what we see here in the Gospel of John, chapter 1. Jesus the Christ was not God's plan B or was not some last-ditch effort to redeem the world. Rather, Christ, God's creative, life-giving plan, was with God all along, was God all along. The eternal word of God that in the beginning stood outside of created human time and history, and then, as we see, begins to step in to the created order. So we witness a Christ from the very beginning that is incredibly mysterious. We should never try to do away with the mystery of God. God wants it this way. From the very beginning, Christ is mysterious. But also, we witness a Christ who is relational and who is drawing close, who is desiring to draw close. We will never be able to grasp the cosmic implications of this Christ. However, insofar as God chooses to reveal Christ to us in the person of Jesus, to reveal Christ to us in the written word of God, to reveal Christ to us in the world around us, insofar as God chooses to reveal, and insofar as humankind chooses to seek and to search and to connect with this Christ, we too are invited to draw near. So what do I want you to remember? That Jesus the Christ is eternal and that this eternal Christ desires to draw near. Second thing about Jesus I want to talk about is that Jesus models relationship for us. Perfect relationship. Jesus models relationship with God, with one another, and with all of creation. We've talked a lot about relationship in this series because really that is what God, God's revelation to us is, perfect relationship. Now, if you're looking ever for wisdom or examples of how to relate to God or to others, for how to respond 
to the privileged and the powerful, or how to respond to the poor and the marginalized. If you're looking for examples of how to love friend or enemy, how to embody God's relational truths, you don't have to look anywhere else other than Jesus. From before time, Father, Son, and Spirit existed in perfect relationship. Throughout Christ's life and his ministry on earth, Jesus Jesus shows a reverence and a devotion to God the Father, submitting to God's will over his earthly life. He chooses this. He demonstrates for us this relational submission to God's perfect and good will. And he demonstrates to He demonstrates this for us through sacrificial, self-giving love. Jesus also shows us how to relate to others. My gosh, how we all need to remember every day, multiple times a day, how Christ calls us to relate to others. Jesus drew close to the outcast, to the marginalized, to the poor, to the discarded, to the unclean. Anyone whose society rejected, such as the lepers, Anyone whose society attempted to shame, such as the woman caught in adultery. Anyone judged through human standards or even the standards of the Mosaic law. The treatment of the Samaritans, for example, working on the Sabbath, for example. Jesus drew near to them. And I believe he was attempting to model for us and to explain to us why people especially the religious elites who are ironically the ones attempting to please God are so very often off the mark in terms of how they relate to one another. Scripture is also full of stories showing a Jesus who invited others to be part of his ministry. And not only nominally part or marginally part, but giving them big and key roles in the bigger God narrative and the bigger picture that God was writing throughout time. Verse 7 reminds us, it says, John came as a witness to testify to the light so that all might believe through him. Now we might wonder, why would Christ, who is God, need or desire anyone else to testify on his behalf? Well, I think it's because he Jesus knows that people are relational beings. He knows this because he created us. And he knows that people will relate contextually and socially to people and stories and ideas and neighbors that they see a part of themselves in or see something that they desire to be in. Jesus knew this. And he wasn't a platform hog or a pulpit hog. He wasn't threatened by the gifts or the calling or the ministry of others. He knew that John the Baptist in this instance had a key role in the God story being written. And he relationally demonstrates for us the relational connectedness of all of our vocations, what God has called you to, the gifts that God has given you, the purpose that God has given you, Jesus demonstrates the connectedness, the interdependence of all of those vocations and all of those stories to the bigger story God is writing. In other words, Jesus demonstrates divine collaboration. 
Your story matters. Your gifts matter. How you live your life as a disciple matters because the light of the world that has touched your life, that is the same spark that God will use to show God's truth and God's revelation to someone else who can connect to your story, who can connect to you as a person. Jesus shows this relational connectedness. The third thing I think we learn about Jesus in this passage is that God's own people did not accept him. Whew, that's a big one. And I believe this is almost, sadly, a timeless truth. It's found in verses 10 and 11. Jesus was in the world, the world that Christ himself created, a world that came into being through Christ. And yet, his own people did not see him or accept him for who he is. I believe this is timeless. Even today, many of us will profess Jesus with our mouth, with our lips, with our words. We will claim to be followers, but we would also likely reject Jesus' message and his teachings if he were the one up here preaching today. This has been true throughout most of history. And sadly, it seems, we only recognize this in hindsight. The we that I'm talking about right now is the church. That's not necessarily the we that this passage is talking about. God's own people, the Israelites, the chosen ones. But in hindsight, the church can see that we're part of this narrative. That oftentimes, the truth of the gospel becomes clear only after some time has passed. We today, the church, are God's vehicle in the world. And every one of us, every one of us is susceptible at times to not recognizing Jesus among us. Every one of us is susceptible to attempting to create Jesus in our own image rather than following Jesus the Christ. Jesus' entry into the world, Jesus' presence in this world is revolutionary. In his flesh and in his divinity, Jesus brought the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God to earth and demonstrated it to us in human form. And instead of seeing this kingdom as a welcome reprieve from violence and from worldly order, the world and very often us, are threatened by Jesus. This is true even today. And the final point I want to make about Jesus is that Jesus is God with us. God with us, Emmanuel. The Word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory of a Father's only Son, full of grace and truth. I love how Eugene Peterson shares this passage. The word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. To incarnate means to put flesh on. Jesus is the full revelation of God in human form. Jesus puts flesh on God so that we can get an up-close and personal view of who God is, how God loves, how God relates, what does God care about, how would God preach if God was given a pulpit, all shown to us 
in the person of Jesus. We see a God, Jesus the Christ, who draws near, right into our neighborhoods, coming closer to a broken world, broken humanity, and broken hearts. Christ, essentially, is the opposite of what is known or what has come to be known as quote-unquote cancel culture. Now, cancel culture has been part of humanity and human behavior probably uh, throughout all of time. In America, history would show us that that the powerful would often use quote-unquote cancel culture to silence dissension. Anything that challenges the powerful, cancel it. The church has used it to keep certain people on the outside. And in our modern context, we are seeing like cancel culture uh, on steroids. We see this happening in social media and through the general population hurting and banning together. We'll cancel it. We'll block it. We'll call it out. We will shame it. We'll put up our walls and we will create divisions. Regardless of how we see this played out, it's important for us as disciples to know that Christ demonstrates for us the exact opposite of this. He draws near. He draws close. He welcomes in. He doesn't cancel any of us as human beings. He shows up. He accepts us. He invites us to accept the life that he has to offer us. He reminds us that we are all fearfully and wonderfully made in God's image. He loves us sacrificially, and he invites us to become children of God. John chapter 1 reminds us this. Now, this Christ does cancel some things. He cancels our sin. He cancels the penalty of death. He cancels our shame. He cancels our fear if we're willing to take it. And he cancels the debt that we could never pay. He cancels the rift that was created between God and humanity. But he never cancels a human being. And as he invites us into this life of discipleship, this life of being little Christs, he invites us to do the same for friend and enemy, for those whom we agree with and those whom we disagree with. Jesus shows us how to move uncomfortably close to the human reality around us. So whenever you might be tempted to build a wall, to turn away, to block, ask yourself if Jesus is instead desiring a bigger table, a listening ear, a collaborative arrangement. We all need to ask ourselves this. And I think, of course, some caveats to that would be that we're not talking about abusive relationships here or healthy boundaries. I don't think God wants us moving closer to abuse. And I think sometimes healthy boundaries help relationships actually become closer and more fruitful. But oftentimes what we're seeing is for a sense of ease or just that in-the-moment impulsiveness, we want to block and create a wall. Does Jesus want us instead to build a bigger table? Jesus. In one word, that's the sermon. Jesus is life. That's our one-sentence sermon. We could have talked about so many things today. 
about Jesus being the perfect priest, the perfect prophet, the perfect sacrifice. We could have talked about atonement theories, high Christology, low Christology, and I would be happy to talk or to preach or teach on any of those subjects. But from a big picture perspective, to get buried in doctrine, to get buried in various theories, we would have missed the big picture, simple, profound truth. Jesus is life. The eternal word of God that was with God in the beginning, that was God in the being, that through him all things were made and not one thing came into being without him. The Jesus that ministered and saved and healed and submitted perfectly to God's will that gave up his own life so that we could have life. That's the beauty of of Jesus. We don't need to get buried in theories. We've been given life. Jesus invites us to claim it. Jesus the Christ, the source of life, the reason for life, the hope in life. In just a few weeks, we will be reminded that Jesus calls out from the cross. It is finished. His mission on earth accomplished. His earthly work done. We cannot, should not, add anything or take anything away from what Christ did on the cross. We can't add to it when Jesus says it is done it is done. We have been given and been offered a share in a life that never ends, a life that begins now, a life that intersects with the kingdom of God now, but a life that comes through God and Christ. It is finished. And yet the invitation to us and for us remains Are we willing to be disciples, little Christs who seek and love God with our minds and with our hearts, with our hands and with our feet? Little Christs who testify to the perfect love and the perfect grace and the perfect truth that come to us from the only perfect human being who has ever walked this earth, Jesus our source of life. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen.